Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. Welcome to our Zoom family around America. Not sure where you're uh, tuning in, but we're glad you took the extra time and made the extra effort to join us. And for those of you that came out early this morning to be here in person, thank you. Bless you. I'm Pastor Scott Sigmund. And uh, we uh, have been doing Torah study together for many, many years, haven't we? And so, uh, God love you, God bless you. Uh, today we are in, let's see, 2022. We are in Torah portion number 31 today out of Leviticus 21 through 24. Uh, and it, uh, it's God's word, especially to the priests, uh, to the leaders, uh, in his kingdom. And, uh, 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 but as you'll see as we get into this, it's really a word for you and I. Uh, and, uh, and so as God is speaking to the leaders of Israel, I got to thinking, uh, that it's really a clarion call. It's a calling that God is giving His leaders, and He's posing in uh, so many words, non-verbally, how far are you going to go with me? And Israel's just come out of Egypt. They're on a journey to the Promised Land, and uh, right about here, especially to the priests, this question comes up, how far will you go? And, and so I, I remembered uh, that I had a joke somewhere in my notes. And so I thought, well, let's start today with a joke. Is that okay? Uh, and so there were these two men who were lost at sea, adrift on a raft. And as the days went by, it began to look pretty bad. Finally, one of them, frightened at the prospect of dying, begins to pray, Oh Lord, please forgive me for all the commandments I've broken, all the sins I've committed. I've got some pretty bad habits, Lord. I drink, I curse, I steal, I treat people like dirt. But Lord, if you spare my life right now, I promise I'll change my ways. I'll never steal again. I'll never curse again. I'll never. And suddenly his buddy interrupts him. And he says, Tom, wait a minute. You don't have to go that far. I see a rescue ship in the distance. And so Tom stops praying and they get rescued. But here's the point, is that Tom was challenged with how far do I go with this? And his buddy was going to help him out, wasn't he? You don't have to go that far. But this is one of the great dilemmas that people face when they become a born-again believer, right? A new believer is faced with the challenge of deciding just how far they're going to go with God. 
I thank God that uh, you're here this morning and you've already made that choice, right? You've pushed in all the time. I'm all in with you, Lord. Uh, otherwise, you wouldn't have got up early and, and come to early morning uh, Torah study. But uh, in fact, throughout our entire Christian life, uh, we always have to face this question. It's almost like an ongoing test in our lives. Uh, how far are we willing to go with the Lord? And so it's worth to continually ask ourselves this very question because how much we've surrendered our lives to the Lord will be an indicator on how far we'll go with the Lord. Amen? In fact, uh, you know, for those of you that have grown up in a church that's talked about spiritual warfare, uh, you realize that we're always in a fight. We're always wrestling with powers and principalities, with temptations, with sin, with circumstances that, in effect, the devil will use those things to try to stop us from going any further with God. And so Sunday mornings, Torah study, time with Pastor Larry, they're times to refresh ourselves, renew ourselves, and renew our commitment. And this is what the Lord is doing in this week's Torah study when He speaks to the priests and then lays out all of these guidelines and principles and instructions and boundaries. He's saying, this is how far you need to go. And uh, and so we're learning that. Now you may you may say to yourself, maybe not you. Someone may say to themselves, "I've decided to follow Jesus, and there's no turning back." Anybody do that? You've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. Amen. amen. Say amen for all the Zoom people, so they know you're with me. Amen. That, that's a statement of faith. And you might want to say that often from now until Jesus comes. Lord, I've decided to follow you. There is no turning back. We need that mindset. It's, it's, a, it's a foundational principle of commitment and taking responsibility, making a quality decision. But in reality, God wants uh, not only you to have that mindset, He's saying, there's other mindsets that I want you to adopt. I can take you much further than John 3.16. How many of you want to go further than John 3.16? If that's all you got, that's all you need. But if you're not planning on dying at 5 o'clock tonight, you might want to go a little bit further. Amen. And the further you go, the stronger you get. Right? The further you go, the wiser you get. The more mature you get, and the better equipped you feel. It's a good feeling to know that you're solid. That you're mature. That's a good feeling, right? Before Christ, man, I was Mr. Irresponsibility. They could have made a movie on my life. On how to be irresponsible. I ruined every relationship I was ever in. I was alienated from my family, from my friends, and it just, life was just one big dysfunctional mess. 
And then I met Jesus. And it took me 20 years to get into that mess, so it was going to take more than by the end of the week to get out of it. (laughs) But I was willing to uh, go the distance, right? Field of dreams, go the distance. And, uh, And so if you're willing to go as far as it takes to build your relationship with the Lord, you're going to have a great life. You could look at it this way. It's the difference between being a believer and becoming a disciple. And in the church, there seems to be a little bit of vagueness there. Too much gray area. I just need to be a believer. What more do you want? I want everything, says the Lord. Right? And and so being a believer, that's the start. Becoming a disciple, that's a lifelong journey. And that's what makes Christianity such an adventure. Because you can look back, go back one year in time. Get your little DeLorean, get in that thing, set it uh, uh, one year back and go back and see how far you've grown in one year. Anybody grown a little bit spiritually over the past year? That's, that's the point. That's awesome. Well done. And, but if, if your mindset is, all I want is to be a believer. Well, Pastor James says, even the devils believe. But they have uh, the sense enough to fear and tremble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So once you, being a, look at it, being a believer, you get converted from being an unbeliever to a believer. That's conversion. You converted. You converted from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Now will you go one step further and convert from being a believer to a disciple? Amen? That's one of the main goals we have. And as we let God work in us, the Holy Spirit, His Word, His culture, it just becomes a part of our lifestyle. All of a sudden, we, we're, uh, we realize, I'm being transformed. Amen? All of a sudden, God takes us into new levels of godliness and holiness and righteousness. And as He does this, you can always measure things by the ABCs. God has ABCs. And the ABCs that I've learned when I first got saved, the ABCs stood for attitude, behavior, and conduct. The ABCs of life. Attitude, behavior, and conduct. And and God wants our life filled with positive ABCs. That's where the rubber meets the road. Amen? Are we letting the Lord do His work in us? Yes, amen. I got one amen. Can I get two amens? Can I get three? Can I get an amen from the Zoom family at home? And as we do, then all of a sudden, God will lead you into new opportunities. Right? There's new areas of spiritual leadership God has destined for every person. You're, you're, you're meant to be an influencer. At your home, on your job, in your community, in your neighborhood. Amen? And that's a good thing. 
Because now all of a sudden you're reflecting the love of God. The nature of God. Which is a big part of why we're here. To reflect God's love. To reflect God's purpose and plan. Amen. A lot of people have a distorted image of who God is and what He expects and wants. And, and so they won't give their lives over to the Lord. Uh, but when they see how it's working in you, <laughs> hey, maybe that's not such a bad deal after all. Now, someone might uh, hear this and immediately be thinking, hey, wait a minute. There's no way I'm going that far. What do you think I am, a priest or something? (laughs) And here's the, the fact of the matter. Yeah. When you give your life over to Jesus Christ, you become a priest. Uh, Jesus taught this and He said this. uh, And one of the famous scriptures is out of Revelation 1.6. He's made us kings and priests to His God and Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Revelation 1.6. According to God, every Christian is both a king and a priest. Amen? There's a practical business uh, every day in the world side, and then there's a spiritual side. When we pledged our allegiance to the Lamb, we became part of God's family and also God's nation as kings. And priests. Peter the Apostle explained it this way in 1 Peter 2, 9-10. through He said, you've been chosen by God Himself. You are priests of the King. You're holy and pure. You're God's very own. All of this so you may show to others how God called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were less than nothing. Now you're God's own. Once you knew very little of God's kindness. Now your very lives have been changed by it. Hallelujah. That describes you and I this morning. And that's a good description, isn't it? Think on that. Meditate on that. Embrace that. Absorb that. Because this is who you are. It's a description of every believer. Chosen by God Almighty to be a priest of the King. But many of the translations say to be both a king and a priest. And so there's practical things, there's spiritual things. But in either case, it implies that we got work to do. we got to figure out, how do I walk worthy of this calling? And this is where the discipleship mentality kicks in. Amen? This is where the ABCs of Christianity kick in. Where we begin to convert our thinking. We begin to let God help us convert our personality. Well, I'm Irish and I've always had a bad temper. Well, in Christ, we're going to change that. 
In Christ, God's going to work it out so that you don't have an angry spirit. Amen? And we could apply that example ten times over to many different things. But what God is saying is, as you're going through this, you're a king, you're a priest. I'm transforming your life. And it's going to get better and better and better and better. Amen? And all of a sudden, you're going to realize, hey, I've changed. I'm not the man I used to be. I'm not the woman I used to be. I don't encounter the same problems and emotional baggage that I used to have or I used to carry. And look, it's not so that we can walk around sanctimonious. God doesn't make us holy so that we can be self-righteous and sanctimonious. But we have a destiny to accomplish. As I look around here and those of you at home, look, each of us have a unique destiny and purpose. And you're going to manifest more and more of that destiny as you transition from just being a believer to being a disciple. And that takes time. It's a process. We understand that. And it's no coincidence that God embedded a pattern to this process on His divine calendar that would work towards transforming us from just being a believer to being a disciple. And so every year between Passover and Pentecost, there's a 50-day timeline. It's a 50-day season. And right now we're in day 29 of that season on our spiritual journey to Pentecost. In Hebrew, it's Shavuot, the the Feast of Weeks. God ordained that there would be a seven-week period between Passover, which is one experience, we'll talk about this, and Pentecost, which is a second experience. And that 50 days in between is the time God used to help transform Israel from a slave mentality to a child of God mentality. How many of you know 50 days is God's number? 50 is God's number for what? Jubilee. Jubilee is a time of great celebration. It's a time of restitution and restoration. It's a time that whatever was stolen or lost is being restored. And God uses this 50 days especially to restore your identity in Christ. We're living in the world. We're battling things. Uh, There's stuff out there that's just crazy and it has an effect on us. But God is saying during this 50 days, and there's other times, but during this 50 days, I'm going to allow you and help you to tune out all the negativity out there and focus on the positivity that I want to develop in here so that at the end of the 50 days, you're going to receive an outpouring at Pentecost when the day of Pentecost fully comes and you're going to launch into the rest of your year sky high for the Lord. Who wants to be sky high for the Lord? Amen. And so, this 50 days is called counting the Omer in Leviticus 23. 
That's, uh, what the heck does that mean? Counting the Omer. Well, in ancient biblical wisdom, counting the Omer represents a spiritual journey. Seven weeks of seven Sabbaths, and then a new experience with the Lord. The Omer is an agricultural measurement. It's like a bushel, a bushel of grain, an omer of grain. And it's no coincidence that the Hebrew word for measurement, midot, is the same word that's used to describe character traits. Interesting, huh? And there's a deeper meaning, of course, to understand here. That God wants us to develop certain character traits. Amen? Just, you know, somebody said, well, I was born this way. Well, maybe you were born that way. But that's why Jesus said you must be born again. And if you go through the second birth, a new birth, a spiritual birth, all of a sudden you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and then Jesus, will you come a little bit further? Will you go a little bit farther and go from being a believer to being a disciple? And in that process, which is embodied in this 50 days, all of a sudden you begin to work on the inner man, your heart and soul. The way you think, the way you act, the way you conduct yourself. Amen? And so we're in that time period right now. There's, a, there's an interesting um, statement made in Jewish literature that says, if there is no character, there is no Torah. Uh, in modern English, you might say, if you don't develop your character based on godly, biblical values, then you can't retain what the Torah is trying to teach you, what the Bible is trying to teach you. And so during this Passover to Pentecost 50-day spiritual journey, we're, we're on day 29 right now, the question will come up and why the, the sermon title is, How Far Will You Go With God? That question comes, Will you go on this 50-day journey with me, child of God? And here's the fact that, that we serve a gracious Father, don't we? He's God Almighty. But He's our Heavenly Father. And He's gracious. And He's kind. And He's good. And He doesn't help us work on these things. He doesn't perform Holy Ghost heart surgery on us to demean us or discourage us or in some way to condemn us and put us down. If you have those feelings, I can tell you where those feelings come from comes from the kingdom of darkness, comes from the past, comes from the devil. It comes from those that are trying to stop you from becoming a better version of yourself. Anybody here like the idea of being a better version of yourself? Doesn't mean you're a bad person now, but it means there's more out there. God has more potential. God has more possibilities. 
And if you'll continue to let God work and be a willing partner, don't go kicking and screaming. We got too many Christian toddlers. I got a two-year-old grandson. I seen enough of that. Lord, give me patience. I love that little bugger. So, living a transformed life means we have to be willing to go a little bit further, a little bit further. And if you look at what God did with Israel, He gives us clues, hints, at this transformation process. When uh, at Passover, He told Israel to present a barley offering. And barley is animal food. And so, at the very beginning, Passover representing our altar call, born-again experience, coming out of Egypt. We've made this commitment that we're going to put the blood of the Lamb on the doorposts of our hearts. We're coming out of Egypt. We're coming out of the world. That's a one-day event. And later on, as the tabernacle and the temple, they would bring this barley offering. But that's perceived as animal food. And it points spiritually to the fact that we have this Adamic, animalistic, worldly mindset that's just lodged in our life. And part of our journey is to recognize what are these behaviors, what are these attitudes, what are these things going on in me that represent things from the worldly life, the B.C. life, the life when I was a slave to sin. What was I cultivating? What mindset did I have? And how do I get that out of my life? Fifty days later, at Pentecost, God said, bring a wheat offering. That's making bread. All right? And it shows, okay, we've gone from an animalistic nature, a human nature, into a God nature. You and I, because we love Jesus, we have that divine nature in us. It just needs to be cultivated. Amen? He took Israel from matzah to manna. He took Israel from Egypt to Mount Sinai where he gave them the word, the Ten Commandments, where we get our Bible. He took Israel from physical freedom into spiritual freedom. He took Israel from a human nature mindset into a divine nature mindset. From a sin mentality to a child of God mentality. Now, look, for some of us, that's a long, hard way to go. Now, many of you here and watching at home, you, you were born walking on water. You were, you, you were born with one of those little halos wherever you go, you know. It's just the opposite of Pigpen and uh, Charlie Brown that had that little cloud following him where that was me before Christ, but <laughs> with Christ it changed. But it's a, uh, it, because things got complicated. For some of us, we got into so many messes, 20 years down the road, we're like a cat's cradle. 
And we've got to spend some time with the Lord in His Word, in church, with God's people, in prayer and study and all these things so that God has time to unravel all that mess. This isn't just true for new believers. Many long-time Christians, uh uh-oh, I'm going from ministry to meddling now. They've still not shaken off the damaging effects of the life they lived before Jesus. And things gnaw and vex and frustrate and disappoint. And it's like, yeah, I take one step forward, but I'm always seeming like after I take one step forward, I'm taking three steps back, and I'm like the hamster on the treadmill. Whoever had a hamster... And you get the little tread, and they get in there, and they're just churning their Chippendale, churning their lip, but they're going nowhere. We don't want to be that in Christianity. We want to get somewhere. But young in the Lord, old in the Lord, we're going to wrestle with the consequences that result from sin. And if we'll let the Lord do His work, we'll get through the process quicker. How many of you would like a fast track? (laughs) 50 days. Focus on that. Go onto the internet, type in counting the Omer and read what the Jewish scholars have to say about Omer. O-M-E-R. There's a lot of Jewish Christian sites that will explain it too and suddenly you get an idea. Oh, okay, I get you, Lord. The main thing is, God doesn't want you to keep carrying a heavy load. Right? In Christianity, the joy of the Lord, the peace of God that passes all understanding, all of these things, there's so many more attributes and qualities that God wants to put into your life to replace all those negative things from the past. I wrote this uh, in my note. Sin always costs you more than you want to pay. Sin always takes you further than you want to go. And sin always keeps you longer than you want to stay. The good news is, <laughs> by comparison to sin and Satan and his world and his lifestyle, our Lord's yoke is easy and his burden is light. So don't let the devil deceive you into thinking living the Christian life is too hard. No, living the satanic life, the devil life, the worldly life, the party life, the sinful life, that's what's hard. But we need to decide, you know, have you ever seen those movies or uh, whatever? We're, we're all in. Push all my chips into, I'm all in. Brett Maverick, I'm all in. When you do that, a miracle transformation begins to take place. But as I said, it doesn't happen by the end of the week. Man, I wish all of this could be microwaved. Some of this is crockpot stuff, right? Some of this is 12 hours in the smoker, not uh, 12 seconds in the microwave. And God always schedules a few heart surgeries along the way. 
Anybody ever have a major surgery? Yeah. Oh, where, where, where do I sign up for that? No one signs up. But you realize that at the end of that, something's going to get fixed and I can go on living my life for the Lord feeling so much better. And it helps when you say, I'll go further, Lord. Today, you know what, Lord? Whatever you need me to do to take the next steps of faith, I'm willing to do it. And those things that may seem like, oh my gosh, remember that movie, uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, at the very end where he takes that giant step of faith, and you think he's going down into that uh, canyon, and actually he steps out onto a pathway that led him to a treasure. God's got treasure for you and I. And we're willing to step out in faith and go a little bit further. If you, if you uh, receive that, say amen. amen. Okay, so what we're learning is that salvation is much more than getting you out of your own personal Egypt. There's a lot more. That's why... Uh, a while back, uh, you know, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, I, I changed the way I did altar calls. Because uh, I, I learned early on that a lot of the language in an altar call was the only thing you have to do. The only thing you have to do is pray this little prayer. And then I, you know, I don't know how it worked in me, then I realized... When I got saved, that was the only thing I needed to do to receive eternal life. But I wasn't planning on being the thief on the cross and dying at 3 o'clock before the sun goes down. You know, 35 years later, I realized there's a, a heck of a lot of things I've been doing to try to stay on the straight and narrow. Got to put some E into it, some effort. Not because we're trying to negate the grace of God. We're just trying to be willing partners with God. Amen? And so, now that we're saved, now that we've come out of Egypt, the next steps involve God working in us to get Egypt out of us. Do you see that? This is what Jesus is teaching in Luke 6.45. Go over there and... Put a little X by that. It says a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. A good person produces good things from the treasury, a reservoir of a good heart. And so this is showing us, Jesus is teaching us, success is an inside job. Okay? As a man thinks, so is he. Inside, what we think, our attitude, how we think about things, our opinions, what we argue about, what we defend, what we're convinced and persuaded of. Your future in Christ is created from the inside out. Hallelujah! It means developing a prosperous soul. I look in 
in what's going on in the education realm, academia these days, and the kind of soul, the kind of thinking, the kind of attitude, the kind of worldview that the secular academic world is trying to train a whole generation of kids with. Disdaining the Bible and the Bible values and substituting all of those values that have been the bedrock of our society as one nation under God for hundreds of years. And all of a sudden, just lately, somebody has a new idea. No, all of that's bad. And all of this new stuff is good. Because they're developing a soul. And in fact, a lot of them, uh, I've, I've watched those TikTok, uh, uh, what, what's that one called? Libs of TikTok, and I've seen other videos uh, uh, where uh, anti-God teachers who have a different agenda basically say, you're mine now. What your parents think and what your parents want you to know All of that's canceled. Now you're mine, and this is what you believe. And so you get this thing where, oh, oh, so you're a domestic terrorist because you believe in that that my Bible is what we believe in my house. And you can't, as the government, decide that uh, you're going to teach my child what they have to believe. Thank you for saying that's right. Can I get another that's right at home? Can you shout, that's right! Beloved, I pray that you be in health and prosper even as your soul prospers. And so this is what Passover to Pentecost is all about. It's a 50-day call to a higher level. Jesus said, if you want to experience the high life, you've got to be willing to give up the low life. And that doesn't all happen. We'll make mistakes. We'll stumble. We'll skin our knee. We get the uh, Bactine uh, and spray the Bactine on it, and you'll be fine. Put some Neosporin on it. Rub some Robitussin on it. (laughs) Amen. The Apostle Paul calls this working out your salvation. The Living Bible uh, says it this way in Philippians 2.12. You can put a little X in your Bible next to Philippians 2.12. Paul's writing a letter to the church at Philippi, and he says, Dearest friends, when I was there with you, you were always so careful to follow my instructions. And now that I'm away, you must be even more careful to do the good things that result from being saved. Do the good things that result from being saved. Obeying God with deep reverence, shrinking back from all that might displease Him. That's working out your salvation. That's going from being a believer to being a disciple. And it's embodied in this 
personified in this uh, timeline, this 50-day jubilee timeline between Passover and Pentecost. How many of you are here working out your salvation? I see that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. Good job. What would have happened if after your altar call you, t- you said, I ain't going any further? What would have happened? Yeah, that's where backsliding comes in. What would have happened if after that first night, Passover night, Israel coming out of Egypt decided, eh, I don't want to go that way. <laughs> See, here's the deal. Israel may have left Egypt physically, but had they not followed the Lord, Egypt would have never left them spiritually and mentally. So leaving physically, just moving from one city to the next, in hopes that you'll get a new beginning, isn't the only decision you'll ever have to make. Israel had to leave Egypt psychologically. You need to leave the world psychologically. And you might have to do some, what does it say on the shampoo bottle? Lather, rinse, repeat. Lather, rinse, repeat. Lather, rinse, repeat. Well, I washed my hair two months ago. (laughs) What more do you want? How about daily? (laughs) Amen? And so... You and I are called to leave the world mentally, emotionally, spiritually. I'm not locked. I'm not in lockstep anymore with all those before Christ behaviors and attitudes. And it takes some time, but you just have to be willing to say, Lord, I'm willing to go as far as it takes. Amen. Hopefully you're willing. If you're willing, say amen. Your spiritual success depends on it. So what are we learning? If you want to be truly free and truly walk into the destiny that God has for your life, then you need to have the mindset of advancing, not retreating. In, in all the, uh, the church getaways we've ever done, we've always called them advances. Many times they call them retreats. We're advancing. That's our motto. We're progressing. Amen. And part of that is letting go of the past. Getting rid of your old objections, your arguments, all that emotional baggage. Hey, the fact of the matter is that when Jesus went to the cross for you and I, He gave us the blessing, the possibility, the power to break free from all of that stuff. We, we can be, through Christ, set free from all of that. Amen? Spirit of anger, spirit of hatred, spirit of animosity, hostility. Whatever baggage that you brought in from your old lifestyle before Christ, today... Decide, you know what? I'm going to check that baggage and never pick it up again. Amen? 
This is what Ephesians describes in Ephesians 4. If you go to Ephesians 4.22, it says, Throw off your old sinful nature. Throw that off. And throw off your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Holy Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Hallelujah. Put on your new nature. Created to be like God. You are created to be like God. Truly righteous and holy. Amen? Amen. So, how many of you know you're a new creation in Christ? Every year, between Passover and Pentecost, the Lord gives us another 50-day period to ascend to a higher level. To rise up and become a better version of ourselves. Today we're thinking about it. Maybe there's just a couple little things you could do today to advance the ball. You don't need a 75-yard touchdown run, although you might get it. How about if we just get a first down? How do, let's just move the chains a little bit and keep the ball rolling and march down the field. Then at the conclusion of this 50-day count, it's not a countdown, it's a count up. Because God is taking you up the spiritual ladder of success. Amen? And then when the day of Pentecost fully comes... This year, I believe it's on June 4th. When the day of Pentecost fully comes, the Lord promises a new experience. Not a born-again experience. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Then all of a sudden, there's a new outpouring. And this is an outpouring of His promises, an outpouring of His power, an outpouring of wisdom and revelation, an outpouring of His anointing that breaks every yoke of bondage and helps you shed all of that excess baggage. And all of a sudden, you are freer, more happy, more prosperous, more at peace than you've ever been before. That's what's going on right now, and we're at day 29. Amen? So the question is, are you willing to go that far? Are you willing to go that far? I believe you are. I believe you're willing to go all the way with the Lord, and because of that, great things are in your future. If you receive that this morning, say amen.